Chapter Three, Part One of the Gold Hunters by J. D. Borthwick. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sue Anderson. Chapter Three: A City in the Making. The entrance to San Francisco Harbor is between precipitous rocky headlands, about a mile apart, which have received the name of the Golden Gate. The harbor itself is a large sheet of water, twelve miles across at its widest point, and in length forty or fifty miles, getting gradually narrower till at last it becomes a mere creek. On the north side of the harbor falls in the Sacramento, a large river to which all the other rivers of California are tributary, and which is navigable for large vessels as far as Sacramento City a distance of nearly two hundred miles the city of san francisco lies on the south shore nearly opposite the mouth of the sacramento and four or five miles from the ocean it is built on a semi-circular inlet about two miles across at the foot of a succession of bleak sandy hills covered here and there with scrubby brushwood before the discovery of gold in the country it consisted merely of a few small houses occupied by native californians and one or two foreign merchants engaged in the export of hides and horns the harbor was also a favorite watering-place for whalers and men-of-war cruising in that part of the world at the time of our arrival in eighteen fifty one hardly a vestige remained of the original village everything bore evidence of newness and the greater part of the city presented a makeshift and temporary appearance being composed of the most motley collection of edifices in the way of houses which can well be conceived some were mere tents with perhaps a wooden front sufficiently strong to support the sign of the occupant some were composed of sheets of zinc on a wooden framework there were numerous corrugated iron houses the most unsightly things possible and generally painted brown there were many imported american houses all of course painted white with green shutters also dingy-looking chinese houses and occasionally some substantial brick buildings but the great majority were nondescript shapeless patchwork concerns in the fabrication of which sheet iron wood zinc and canvas seemed to have been employed indiscriminately while here and there in the middle of a row of such houses appeared the hulk of a ship which had been hauled up and now served as a warehouse the cabins being fitted up as offices or sometimes converted into a boarding-house the hills rose so abruptly from the shore that there was not room for the rapid extension of the city and as sites were more valuable as they were nearer the shipping the first growth of the city was out into the bay already houses had been built out on piles for nearly half a mile beyond the original high-water mark and it was thus that ships having been hauled up and built in came to occupy a position so completely out of their element the hills are of a very loose sandy soil and were consequently easily graded sufficiently 
to admit of being built upon and what was removed from the hills was used to fill up the space gained from the bay this had been done to such an extent that at the present day the whole of the business part of the city of san francisco stands on solid ground where a few years ago large ships lay at anchor and what was then high water mark is now more than a mile inland the principal street of the town was about three-quarters of a mile long and on it were most of the bankers offices the principal stores some of the best restaurants and numerous drinking and gambling saloons in the plaza a large open square was the only remaining house of the san francisco of other days a small cottage built of sun-dried bricks two sides of the plaza were composed of the most imposing-looking houses in the city some of which were of brick several stories high others though of wood were large buildings with handsome fronts in imitation of stone and nearly every one of them was a gambling house scattered over the hills overhanging the town apparently at random but all on specified lots on streets which as yet were only defined by rude fences were habitations of various descriptions handsome wooden houses of three or four stories neat little cottages iron houses and tents innumerable rents were exorbitantly high and servants were hardly to be had for money housekeeping was consequently only undertaken by those who did not fear the expense and who were so fortunate as to have their families with them the population however consisted chiefly of single men and the usual style of living was to have some sort of room to sleep in and to board at a restaurant but even a room to oneself was an expensive luxury and it was more usual for men to sleep in their stores or offices as for a bed no one was particular about that a shakedown on a table or on the floor was as common as anything else and sheets were a luxury but little thought of every man was his own servant and his own porter besides it was nothing unusual to see a respectable old gentleman perhaps some old paterfamilias who at home would have been horrified at the idea of doing such a thing open his store in the morning himself take a broom and sweep it out and then proceed to blacken his boots the boot-blacking trade however was one which sprang up and flourished rapidly it was monopolized by frenchmen and was principally conducted in the plaza on the long row of steps in front of the gambling saloons at first the accommodation afforded was not very great one had to stand upon one foot and place the other on a little box while a frenchman standing a few steps below operated upon it presently armchairs were introduced and the bootblacks working in partnership time was economized by both boots being polished simultaneously it was a curious sight to see thirty or forty men sitting in a row in the most public part of the city having their boots blacked 
while as many more stood waiting for their turn the next improvement was being accommodated with the morning papers while undergoing the operation and finally the bootblacking fraternity keeping pace with the progressive spirit of the age opened saloons furnished with rows of easy chairs on a raised platform in which the patients sat and read the news or admired themselves in the mirror on the opposite wall the regular charge for having one's boots polished was twenty-five cents an english shilling the smallest sum worth mentioning in california in eighteen fifty one however things had not attained such a pitch of refinement as to render the appearance of a man's boots a matter of the slightest consequence as far as mere eating and drinking went living was good enough the market was well supplied with every description of game venison elk antelope grizzly bear and an infinite variety of wild fowl the harbor abounded with fish and sacramento river was full of splendid salmon equal in flavor to those of the scottish rivers though in appearance not quite such a highly finished fish being rather clumsy about the tail vegetables were not so plentiful potatoes and onions as fine as any in the world were the great standby other vegetables though scarce were produced in equal perfection and upon a gigantic scale a beetroot weighing a hundred pounds and that looked like the trunk of a tree was not thought a very remarkable specimen the wild geese and ducks were extremely numerous all around the shores of the bay and many men chiefly english and french who would have scorned the idea of selling their game at home here turned their sporting abilities to good account and made their guns a source of handsome profit a frenchman with whom i was acquainted killed fifteen hundred dollars worth of game in two weeks there were two or three french restaurants nearly equal to some of the best in paris where the cheapest dinner one could get cost three dollars but there were also numbers of excellent french and american houses at which one could live much more reasonably good hotels were not wanting but they were ridiculously extravagant places and though flimsy concerns built of wood and not presenting very ostentatious exteriors they were fitted up with all the lavish display which characterizes the fashionable hotels of new york in fact all places of public resort were furnished and decorated in a style of most barbaric splendor being filled with the costliest french furniture and a profusion of immense mirrors gorgeous gilding magnificent chandeliers and gold and china ornaments conveying the idea of luxurious refinement which contrasted strangely with the appearance and occupations of the people by whom they were frequented san francisco exhibited an immense amount of vitality compressed into a small compass and a degree of earnestness was observable in every action of a man's daily life people lived more there in a week than they would in a year at most other places in the course of a month or a year in san francisco 
there was more hard work done more speculative schemes were conceived and executed more money was made and lost there was more buying and selling more sudden changes of fortune more eating and drinking more smoking swearing gambling and tobacco chewing more crime and profligacy and at the same time more solid advancement made by the people as a body in wealth prosperity and the refinements of civilization than could be shown in an equal space of time by any community of the same size on the face of the earth the everyday jog-trot of ordinary human existence was not a fast enough pace for californians in their impetuous pursuit of wealth the longest period of time ever thought of was a month money was loaned and houses were rented by the month interest and rent being invariably payable monthly and in advance all engagements were made by the month during which period the changes and contingencies were so great that no one was willing to commit himself for a longer term in the space of a month the whole city might be swept off by fire and a totally new one might be flourishing in its place so great was the constant fluctuation in the prices of goods and so rash and speculative was the usual style of business that no great idea of stability could be attached to anything and the ever-varying aspect of the streets as the houses were being constantly pulled down and rebuilt was emblematic of the equally varying fortunes of the inhabitants the streets presented a scene of intense bustle and excitement the sidewalks were blocked up with piles of goods in front of the already crowded stores men hurried along with the air of having the weight of all the business of california on their shoulders others stood in groups at the corners of the streets here and there was a drunken man lying groveling in the mud enjoying himself as uninterruptedly as if he were merely a hog old miners probably on their way home were loafing about staring at everything in all the glory of mining costume jealous of every inch of their long hair and flowing beards and of every bit of california mud which adhered to their ragged old shirts and patchwork pantaloons as evidences that they at least had seen the elephant troops of newly arrived frenchmen marched along en route for the mines staggering under their equipment of knapsacks shovels picks tin washbowls pistols knives swords and double-barrel guns their blankets slung over their shoulders and their persons hung around with tin cups frying pans coffee pots and other culinary utensils with perhaps a hatchet and a spare pair of boots crowds of chinamen were also to be seen bound for the diggings under gigantic basket hats each man with a bamboo laid across his shoulder from each end of which was suspended a higgledy-piggledy collection of mining tools chinese baskets and boxes immense boots and a variety of chinese fixins which no one but a chinaman could tell the use of 
all speaking at once gabbling and chattering their horrid jargon and producing a noise like that of a flock of geese there were continuous streams of drays drawn by splendid horses and loaded with merchandise from all parts of the world and horsemen galloped about equally regardless of their own and of other men's lives two or three auctioneers might be heard at once crying their goods with characteristic california vehemence while some of their neighbors in the same line of business were ringing bells to collect an audience and at the same time one's ears were dinned with the discord of half a dozen brass bands braying out different popular airs from as many different gambling saloons in the midst of it all the runners or tutors for the opposition river steamboats would be cracking up the superiority of their respective boats at the top of their lungs somewhat in this style one dollar to-night for sacramento by the splendid steamer senator the fastest boat that ever turned a wheel from long wharf with feather pillows and curled hair mattresses mahogany doors and silver hinges she has got eight young lady passengers to-night that speak all the dead languages and not a colored man from stem to stern of her here an opposition runner would let out upon him and the two would slang each other in the choicest california billingsgate for the amusement of the admiring crowd standing at the door of a gambling saloon with one foot raised on the steps would be a well-dressed young man playing thimble-rig on his leg with a golden pea for the edification of a crowd of gaping greenhorns some of whom would be sure to bite not far off would be found a precocious little blackguard of fourteen or fifteen standing behind a cask and playing on the head of it a sort of thimble-rig game with three cards called french monte he first shows their faces and names one say the ace of spades as the winning card and after thimble-rigging them on the head of the cask he lays them in a row with their faces down and goes on proclaiming to the public in a loud voice that the ace of spades is the winning card and that he'll bet any man one or two hundred dollars he can't pick up the ace of spades occasionally some man after watching the trick for a little thinks it is the easiest thing possible to tell which is the ace of spades and loses his hundred dollars accordingly when the youngster pockets the money and his cards and moves off to another location not being so soft as to repeat the joke too often or to take a smaller bet than a hundred dollars there were also newsboys with their shrill voices crying their various papers with the latest intelligence from all parts of the world and boys with boxes of cigars offering the best havana cigars for a bit apiece as good as you can get in the stores for a quarter a bit is twelve and a half cents or an english sixpence and for all one could buy with it was but little less useless than an english farthing 
presently one would hear hello there's a muss anglers say a row and men would be seen rushing to the spot from all quarters auction rooms gambling rooms stores and drinking shops would be emptied and a mob collected in the street in a moment the muss would probably be only a difficulty between two gentlemen who had referred it to the arbitration of knives or pistols but if no one was killed the mob would disperse to resume their various occupations just as quickly as they had collected end of chapter three part one